This is a Broad Pods production. Loving and fucking. We're Broad Radio for women by women. And you're listening to a collection of incredible conversations we've had with some truly extraordinary broads. Are you ready to get down and dirty as we explore the worlds of love and intimacy in all their messy, beautiful and complex forms? From self-love to sexual exploration and the myriad of relationships that come with fully lived lives, let's unpack, well, everything. So pour yourself a glass of wine, get comfortable and join us as we talk all things loving and fucking. Hi there, it's Jo Stanley here and I'm so pleased that you're joining us for this episode which is all about love. I get to co-host this conversation with Bianca Chatfield. Now, our capacity to love goes much deeper than simply romance. So here we're going to be talking about the complexities of love in all its many wondrous and human forms with feminist icon and best-selling author Clementine Ford. Now, for a bit of background, this interview took place on our live broadcast in November 2021, just at the time when Adele had released her brilliant album, 30. And there was a bit of fuss in the news about an Aussie journo who had travelled from Australia to the UK for the only Australian interview with Adele. But during that interview, he conceded to Adele that he hadn't listened to the album. And consequently, the interview was cancelled. Sony never released it. So many people were appalled by that, including myself and Bianca. And so too, it turns out, was Clementine Ford. Have a listen. Hi, how are you both? I was just enraptured listening to you talk about the Adele thing because it it has also frustrated and infuriated me. Well, Audacity. Are they, I know. I mean, come on, mate. You're on a plane for 23 hours. Listen to the album for, I don't know, 30 minutes. Put in some time. Also, as, as well, you know, as someone who's gone through a separation with the father of my child, and we get along very well now, which is wonderful, but there's so much rich there for a conversation and I just feel so annoyed as well that Seven sent in a man to have that conversation that's a conversation that would have been so primed for a woman to have yeah exactly well do you know I, I actually listening to the album over the weekend Clementine it reminded me a bit about your book in a way because similarly there's um you know, it's the story of love and a beautiful way of of sharing an experience you had. So, you know, I'm glad that you heard us talk about that and I'm glad to get that perspective <laughs> from you on... on um, and have you heard Adele's album? I haven't heard Adele's album yet, but I wasn't interviewing Adele. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that is... Listening to Taylor Swift. <laughs> the new Tay-Tay. Oh. I haven't checked that one out. What's it like? Oh, it's it's magical. I'm a huge Swifty. I became a Swifty at 40 years old, and it's one of the most joyful things that's happened to me. <laughs> but love, love. I mean, that's one of the facets of love, isn't it? That as you get older, and this is one of the things that I tried to touch on in the book as well, is that as you get older and you, you let go of the insecurities of youth and childhood that kind of plagued us when we were growing up, and, and so much of that is to do with trying to figure out who we are and, and establishing an identity based on... I guess our experiences and we're, we're shaped by all of them and 
one of the things that became so apparent to me writing about all these different kinds of love in the book, you know, whether or not that's love for your friends or, or love for your parent, um, complicated relationship with a mother, um, and, then, and then the love that you experience when you become a parent yourself, if you become a parent yourself, is that you realise you realize how little you know of any of it, but how joyful it is to expand your idea of what love is and what place it, and what meaning it can have in your life. You know, when we're young, we're sort of, and and I suspect this is, um, I'll feel these things when I do listen to Adele's album and I hear those excerpts of her talking to her son, that we have, the, we established this idea, we're very enculturated to think that romantic love is the only kind of love that's worth pursuing. It's the most important love that we can have in our life. And then you realise that that's a lie and that by holding fast to that, we close ourselves off to so much richness of life and also we set ourselves up for disappointment if and when those things don't work out which so often they don't and i also one thing that really captivated me was just a lot of the time you don't even understand it's love that you're feeling whether it be you know with your sisters your mom and then relationships and you know all the different kinds that we go through that's what really made me think when I was reading it, when you were going through, especially your teenage years, around just all these moments in time that you put down to love. You know, for you and the shift in writing about that, it would have been such an adventure just to explore all those different moments that you've been through. It was quite, um, I thought before I started writing it, I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. I thought this is it was kind of like a balm for me. And one of the reasons I wanted to write this book is because it's a topic that fascinates me. But also I felt very burnt out after writing Boys Will Be Boys in particular because there was so much, there was so much in that that was just so distressing to kind of wade through. And I would come home from, you know, long days of writing at the library to my son who was then two. And I'd have to switch from the gear of writing about terrible violence against women and, and the way that patriarchy oppresses boys too. And then switch into this role of, you know, loving, joyful mum. And I found it very intense emotionally. So I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to write a book about love. It's just going to be my stories. There's going to be no research involved. But then, of course, you spend months and months ploughing through things that you might not have thought about deeply for many years, but that actually bring up a lot of really again, intense things for you, you know, spending all that time writing about my mother and her death. My mum's been dead now for most of my adult life. And I, I've only kind of been realising that while talking about the book. I've only been realising how much that has affected me because you kind of compartmentalise these things. You know, you're right, my mum died at 25. I grieved, I dealt with it, and then I moved on and it was fine. That's what you think. But mm. then you, you kind of are confronted with all of these little pockets of feelings that you've been storing inside and just not paying that much attention to. And that really is what the experience and journey of love is as well, is that it's not, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but it's not all life and fun and joy. You know, a lot of love has been, for all of us, has been really, really hard. Mm. And some of it has been very fleeting and it and it's meant to be fleeting. And we sort of ascribe these kind of different values to it, suggesting that it becomes more important as we get older. But one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of encap to capture was that why is the love that you experience in an unrequited crush, say when you're 15 years old, any less important to you and who you are and, and, and your identity than a four-year-long relationship that you might have in your 20s that's very adult and mature? 
I love that. I love too, I think what you're alluding to is the courage. Like there's courage in loving. There's courage in telling the story of your love as well. And I, again, would equate your book to the way Adele has told the story of her love and relationship breakup. There's great courage in being able to actually speak about love in a way that's not what we see in Hollywood movies. (laughs) Um, Did you feel courageous doing it? I don't think I felt courageous necessarily, although I do write that to love and to continue to love, even though we've been hurt by love, is an act of courage. And I think that that's one of the things that I took away from writing the book. Particularly, it wasn't intended to be written during a pandemic. I, I, you know, pitched the book well before COVID, but it ended up being written in the middle of um, the the lockdown last year and and a little bit this year too. And so I feel like that kind of... um, it really intensified that, this idea that to love and to continue to hope in the face of um, a lack of knowledge about what might happen is very courageous. I feel like, you know, one of the things as well that we do so badly in this culture is we suggest that when love ends that it somehow is a failure. Mm. And to me that has never been true, but it especially was clear to me writing this that that's not true. Love, Love doesn't fail to Mm. act and to to like courageously leap into love is not a failure no matter how the love ends up sometimes things just end you know the relationship with to go back to Adele again my apologies to Adele (laughs) for the relationship that Adele had with the son with the father of her son wasn't a failure even though Hollywood in particular and tabloid magazines love to kind of say well another failed relationship they got a beautiful child out of it. She learned a lot of stuff. She wrote a whole album. I mean, none of these things are failures. I, I think that it's really sad when we conceive of romantic love in particular to, to have these kind of very rigid rules on what deems it a success or not. You know, even the relationships that we have that don't produce children, they're not failures. They're, they're moments in our life that have brought us great meaning and great pleasure and for a time worked really well and taught us what love was and taught us the different capacities that we have to love. And then as, as such things often do, they ended and that's fine. We need to be okay with those things. We need to be okay with the idea of love soaring and then landing and leaving us with a lot more than we began with, you know, leaving us with a lot more lessons. I'm a big audiobook listener. I love that. I love being able to go for a walk and, you know, have my AirPods in and just listen and especially listen to the author telling you their story. And so many of your words are so incredibly raw. How hard is it to to read that, to go into a studio and to relive it all when you've already obviously gone through the whole writing process? Is it different or is it actually quite therapeutic to go through it all and read it out? I really love being the one to read my audiobooks, and I'm very grateful that um, I'm allowed to. <laughs> um, because I also feel, of course, I mean, you know, you're both writers, and I feel like you you have such ownership over your words that it feels more vulnerable to hand them to someone else to articulate. Because of course, they're just performing them, whereas you've lived of them. Of course, yeah. Um, I found it having read both of my previous books. It it was a lot easier just like um, technically because I understood better 
how to do it, how to speak slowly. You know, when we go to read things out loud, we often speed our words because we think it sounds too slow, Mm. but actually obviously listening to things, you need them to be slowed down. So that's a really, really hard technical thing to get about slowing your speech down. But I also loved being able to read it out loud after I, you know, a sufficient time of writing and editing the book had passed, so I no longer felt that crushing insecurity about it. I'd mm-hmm. finally gotten the book to a point where I was, I was really happy with it, and that's a, a huge gift as well. And then I thought that it was so special being able to read such emotional parts and not, not you know, shield the emotion in my voice. There's parts in the book where I'm reading it where you'll hear me crying, and that's all genuine emotion. And I feel like that adds to the experience of, of what the book is about. Hopefully that's how people listen to it anyway. Oh, it's it's really powerful because the words that you're writing are incredibly real and raw. Mm. And I tell you that the, the sections about you as a teenager. I know. <laughs> oh, my God, my heart just it broke because I remember feeling exactly that awkward sense that you desperately want to belong, you want to have a boyfriend because all everybody else seems to have yep. a boyfriend, but I'm terrified to have a boyfriend because I don't even know what happens when you have a boyfriend. And, you know, trying to understand how you connect with the rest of the social circle at school or, you know, outside of school, with it's, it, that really felt real for me. Have you had, though, people say to you, Clementine, oh, you were the cool kid. Oh, I do remember you in school. And, you know, because our perception of who we were at school is very different to yes. the way other people see us. I haven't had anyone say you were the cool kid. <laughs> um, but I, you know, that's the other thing. You, 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 you touch on something really true there is that what I have heard from girls I went to school with was, oh, I felt all those same things. Yeah. All the girls who I thought were cool and had it all together and knew what was going on, they felt those same insecurities. Of course they did. You know, it's a, it's a very rare teenage girl who comes home at the end of the day and feels like she's got it all figured out. Um, and, and to an extent as well, writing about your teenage years, you realise how lucky you are to have not peaked in high school. No one wants to be <laughs> their best. But I think I've had people say that they were surprised that I felt that way because maybe I seemed a a bit more self-assured than I was. Um, I don't know. It's, and you, you, I mean, you're right as well. Like I kind of yearned for a boyfriend in the way that I saw it playing out on movies and in TV shows and stuff because I felt like that was kind of a an essential experience of teenagehood. But we don't really see a lot of stories either of kids not knowing what to do or and we don't really have a cultural narrative either of um, girls or boys or, or, you know, just humans desiring the emotional side of that and what that means, but being terrified of physicality. You know, I was terrified as a teenager of what it would mean to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend because I thought, God, I'm going to have to kiss them. And that, mm. like, even thinking about that made my palms sweat with anxiety. I felt so sickened at the thought of any kind of physical contact with anyone else. And that made me feel really weird, I guess. And I think that that's probably also very common for teenagers. But we don't really have stories about that. And so they just go through thinking that there's something wrong with them. Um, I mean, we all think that there's something wrong with us when when we're kids. But again, like with the benefit of hindsight, I feel so much love. You know, one of the things I write about in the book is this idea of yourself 
being made up by multiple selves. So I'm a 40 year old woman, yes, but like inside me, there's every single version of me who's ever existed. And there's also every single version of me who will ever exist. And you can make friends with those different parts of yourselves and you can conceive of them as being part of one giant kind of organism, I guess, or, or like a team. But it allows you to look back at particularly your adolescent self, who you may have over the years felt so much shame and derision for and embarrassment about and you kind of speak so negatively about who you were and you, you laugh at yourself in front of other people. Look at this girl, she was such a dork, what a loser, she's so gross, she's so ugly. And then you realise, wow, how is it that I've spent my entire life speaking to that little girl mm. who, who really like got me through those years? I didn't get me through those years, she got me through those years and I've been so mean to her. I would never go up to a girl in the street and say, you're a loser. What a loser. You're so ugly. You're pointless. But you speak about yourself in those terms and you don't even think about it. So when you think, when you can kind of like consider yourself as, as being made up of those multiple people, it becomes a lot easier to start loving yourself because you begin to love them. I tell you, Clementine, your book is effectively about learning to love yourself mm. in many different ways and it's so beautiful. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for uh, sharing it with the world because I think it's really powerful. And one of the things I love too to wrap up is that it tells everyone that there are lots of different ways of loving and, and sometimes they're sexual, sometimes they're romantic, sometimes they're not. You can love however you wish to love, that there's freedom in that, which I think was really, really powerful. Thank you. And thank you both so much for speaking about it so generously. It's so nice to talk to women, especially, who are interested in these topics. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Clementine. That's really lovely of you. Please go and get the book, How We Love. And of course, all of Clementine's other books are amazing. So if you haven't checked out her words, please do so because they're really beautiful and really powerful. Um, Clementine, you have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. <laughs> 